Well, good morning, Central Heights. How great is it to be together this morning, isn't it? It's great to be here. We're glad you're here. Uh, from wherever your week was, no matter what you're going through, uh, welcome to our church family. My name is David. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here, and it's my privilege to continue our series called Unexpected, where we've been following the story of a guy named Jonah. He's a guy that lived thousands of years ago, and God came to him, and God gave him something that he wanted him to do. And the whole story of Jonah starts with God moving in Jonah's life, and then God responding to Jonah as Jonah responds to God and says no to what God wants to do in Jonah's life. And last week, we wrapped up the first half of Jonah's story. And if we were to summarize the first half of of Jonah's story, maybe we could summarize it like this, is that our no's never stop God. No matter how many times we say no to God, no matter how many times we look back at God and say, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do, and then we take off and run in the other directions, our no never stops God. God never gives up on us. He doesn't quit. Our no's don't get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. They don't stop his love. They don't stop his intentions for us because God is relentless in the pursuit of those he loves. He's a relentless God. He's a loving God. And he never stops and never quits. No matter how many times we say no to him, no matter how far we try and run, God never gives up on us. He will pursue us until he gets us because that's who God is. He's a God that is loving and pursuing. And we've seen this play out as we follow Jonah's story is that Jonah's no to God is the reason that everything happens that happens to him. The storm at sea, getting thrown overboard, the unexpected rescue that God takes this fish, this miraculous rescue where God takes this fish, it swallows Jonah. And Jonah's in the belly of the fish and then, and then the fish vomits Jonah back out onto dry land and this unexpected rescue, this unexpected story from start to finish, it all begins when Jonah looked back at God and said no to what God wanted him to go and do. But Jonah's no doesn't stop God, does it? Because even though Jonah runs from God, God never runs from us. He never runs from us. He doesn't quit on us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't give up on us. Even though Jonah runs from God, God doesn't run from Jonah. He doesn't give up on Jonah. And that's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing this morning that talks about this is the kind of God we have. He keeps chasing us until he gets us. Our nose, our running doesn't stop him and what he wants to do in our lives. And that's a good thing because if you're like me, I've said no to God a lot when I should have said yes. Anyone else? I've said no to God a lot when I should have said yes. I've had a lot of moments in my life where I said yes, where I should have said no. And because of that, I've needed a lot of second chances. A lot of second chances. I have a lot of moments where I look back and I'm like, man, I would love to do that again. I'd like a restart. And one of those moments I was thinking about this message, one of those moments happened when I was in college. And one of my teammates, he came up to me and he said, Dave, I I really like this girl. I really, she's, really, she's really intrigued me, she's, she's beautiful, she's funny, and, but I'm really nervous about our first date. And so I was wondering, uh, would you be a good buddy and would you be a third wheel with me and her on our, th- our first date? And um, I should have said no, but I said yes. And it was one of the m- most awkward, embarrassing experiences ever because it, the date started bad, we're driving over, and he hadn't told her that I was coming on this date. So we, I'm in the front seat, we're driving over, my teammate picks me up, we go over to the house, he says, okay, get in the back, so I go sit in the back, he goes as a gentleman, picks her up at the door, walks her and opens the door, and she sits down in a seat, but there's a three or four second gap as he walks around the front door where 
to the, his side of the car where I'm in the back seat and she doesn't know I'm there and it's really awkward and I say, hey, I'm Dave and she jumps and startles and she's like, well, there's someone in the back seat and you could tell on her face it was really, she wasn't pleased that I was there and, and, and that moment I wasn't either, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and then we went to uh, the rest of the date and I was this third wheel and so picture we go to a movie and there's her and there's my teammate and there's me. And uh, this whole first date was really, really awkward. And I honestly, when I look back at that moment, I want a do-over. I want to restart. I should have said no when I, sh- when I said yes. And that's not just the only moment in my life that's been a moment where I'm like, wow, I wish I did that differently. I've said a lot of things, uh, wrong things at the wrong time. I've heard a lot of people. I've done things that I am not proud of. And I look back over my life and I'm like, man, I wish I could have a restart on those moments a second chance to do it differently, a moment where I could take uh, that moment again and redo it and have a restart and have a second chance to make a different choice, different decision, something different than what I actually did. And so I'm just warning you, if you ask me to go on a third, as a third wheel on your first date, I'm saying no. Uh, I love you, but that's a hard no. And so I wish that I could go back and do those things differently. We all have those moments, don't we? And here's the thing. I I can't go back, but I can only look forward and hope for a second chance again to do something different than I did before. And thankfully, with God, there's always the possibility of a second chance. That's the kind of God we see in our passage this morning. That's the kind of God we see working in Jonah's life as we continue in this unexpected story of Jonah. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and turn to Jonah chapter 3. That's where we're going to be this morning. And I'm going to give you a catch-up as we, as we get ready to enter into what's going on in Jonah's life. The last time we saw him, he was lying face down on a beach after being vomited out of, onto the beach by the fish. And so here's Jonah. He's on the beach. He probably doesn't smell very well. He probably has a lot of fish slime on him. He's probably have a lot of questions racing through his mind. The number one is, is it over for me now? What's God going to do with me now? And that's where we find Jonah in chapter 3, verse 1. This is where we pick it up. Look at this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so as you start this story, the, the, this unexpected rescue, this turns into an unexpected restart. Because the question, as we said, is what now? God's rescued Jonah in this most miraculous way, but is God done with Jonah? Has Jonah disqualified himself from what God wants to do in his life because of the choices he's made? Does Jonah's past kind of disqualify him from ever being used by God again? And the answer right at the beginning of Jonah chapter 3 is No. God's not done with Jonah. He's not. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What's that phrase? The second time. The second time. The word of the Lord. So God shows up in Jonah's life one more time, and, he's, and it's the, the second time. And we, he gives him a second chance. It's, that's why God shows up in Jonah's life. He shows up a second time to give Jonah a second chance. And don't skip over that too quickly. Sit there for a moment, because this is the moment that restarts Jonah's story. If we we go back to the first chapter, that was Jonah's first chance. The first time God comes to Jonah is in chapter 1, and and the same scene plays itself out there at the beginning of the story. The catalyst for everything that's happened 
is when God shows up to Jonah and says, hey, I want you to go to the city called Nineveh. It's the capital city of, of the Assyrians. I want you to go there and I want you to tell them the message that I'm going to give you. And basically this message is like, they're going the wrong way and I want you to tell them they are and that if they don't turn back, it's going to go really badly for them. In fact, I'm going to destroy their city. That's the message that God gives to Jonah, not the best message that you want to be given from God. And Jonah's response, as we know, he looks back on God and says, no. I'm not going to do it, God. I know what you want me to do. I know where you want me to go, but I'm not going to do it. In fact, I'm going to go in the exact opposite direction because I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. And that no landed Jonah in a place where unless God moved in his life, his story was over. Death was the end for Jonah if God didn't show up and move in his life. We have a two-year-old son named Levi, and uh, he likes to play this game with us. Uh, and it, this game usually happens when it's really dangerous, like, oh, there's a car, I'm going to go running off into the, into, the, into the middle of the road, or there's, I'm on this sidewalk and there's this really dangerous area, I'm going to go play this game now. And so what Levi likes to do is, like, we'll be walking in a parking lot, or he'll be walking along this dangerous area, and he'll just decide, I'm going to take off running. And he thinks it's a game, and so he'll take off running, he'll look back, and he's like, chase me, daddy, chase me. And, and as a good father, I'm like, man, I got to get activated, I got to get moving. And so I take off after Levi, and I run, and I will not stop chasing him until I get a hold of him and bring him back into where it's a safe place, right beside me and my wife, Catherine. And, and what I think we see with, with God and how he deals with, with Jonah is that as a loving father, he doesn't stop until he gets us back to where he wants us again. That's how, that's how God works. He keeps coming after us until he gets us. We see that with Jonah. Even though Jonah blew his first chance, God kept chasing him and chasing him and chasing him. He chased him all the way into the belly of a fish to rescue Jonah so that he could come to him and give him a second chance. That this second chance had meaning, had beauty, because God had come after him and he knew that if Jonah kept running, it was only going to land him in worse and worse spots. And so the heart of our Father in heaven is a heart of a Father here on earth is in, in much greater ways. Is he doesn't stop coming after us until he gets us. Because he wants good for us. And I think, even though Jonah blew his first chance... It didn't disqualify him from God giving him a second chance. And this is why verse 1 of chapter 3 is such an amazing verse because it reveals the kind of God we have. Our God is a God of second chances. God is a God of second chances. Our first chance is never our last chance with God. It's not like we mess up or screw up or we, we say no and then it's over. It's done. God's finished with us. He washes his hands and says, I'm finished. Go live the life the way you want to. God is a God of second chances. Even when we say no to him, he will always give us a second chance to say yes, because that's who he is. And isn't that awesome? Don't you need a God of second chances? Because I sure do. I need a God of third and fourth and fifth and sixth chances because I've needed a lot of second chances in my life, and I'm sure you do too. And so what we see in verse one is this reversal in Jonah's story. Jonah 1 is reversed in the second chance of, verse of Jonah 3. And this time, look at Jonah's response. Instead of saying no, he looks back at God and says, yes. Yes. 
God. And then he gets up from where he's laying and he goes to Nineveh and he takes the second chance God gives him and he runs with it. And so Jonah 3 is this unexpected restart. And I think this flies in the face of how we often think about God and and how he thinks about us. See, the way we tend to think about God so often is, man, I've made so many mistakes. I I made poor decisions in my past. I burnt all those bridges. He must be done with me. I've run so far, he's not going to come get me where I've gone. He's going to give up on me. I've used up all the chances that God's given me. There's no way he's going to take me back. How could God ever use me now? Am I someone that is just ready to be cast aside and God's going to choose someone better, stronger, who's walked the line more quickly, more easily? Or we even start thinking things like this about ourselves. I am what I've done. I am that choice. I am that that decision I made. I'm nothing more than my worst moment. And the follow-up of that is that we get stuck We never move forward and we believe the wrong things about ourselves and actually the wrong things about who God is. Because as we see in our text this morning already, God is a God of second chances. He's a God who relentlessly pursues those he loves and he does not give up on us. He doesn't quit on us. And so God's response to that type of thinking, his response to Jonah is that God's never done with you. No matter how many mistakes you've made, how many decisions you've got wrong, how far you've run with God, a restart is always possible because he's a God of second chances. The story's never over when God's in the picture, when God's in the equation. And how great is that? Anyone else need second chances in here? Because I sure do. I look back on my life and there are moments where I, I needed second chances before I met Jesus about 10 years ago. I had this life that on the surface looked really great. I played professional hockey. I traveled. I stayed in top-class hotels. I ate good food. I got paid to play a sport. I got to play in front of thousands of people. God opened up all these doors for me, and this whole time I had said no to him. Believed he existed, didn't believe he was relevant or compelling in my life. And so I said no to God, and I'm just going to live my life, and I'm going to live it the way I had. I had this dream, and I'm going to pursue it. And the thing is, on the surface, my life looked really, really good. But under the surface, man, I was so empty and so broken. I was so hurting. You would think all those things that I had been given would satisfy the longings of my soul, but the reality was it didn't. On this roller coaster of ups and downs, my value is as good as I am on the ice. My, it's, if I'm good, I'm really good. If I'm bad, then I'm really bad. That's my performance dictated my value. And I was so empty, and I lived that way for years. I had this ache in my soul that I didn't even really know I had. And I was hurting, and I was empty. I was lost, and I was broken and you could say I had been running from God for a long time and then I met Jesus and everything changed. I heard that he loved me and that he died for me not because of how I performed on the ice but because I was valuable to him as I was. Period. That he saw me as significant enough to die for and that changed my life and he rescued me. And he brought me back and set the course for an entirely more beautiful trajectory than I could ever imagine or dream. And I can here to tell you today that it's not over for you. Even when you're on your face like Jonah, even when you feel like there's no hope, even when you feel empty or lost or broken, Jesus can break in and he can change everything. Because through Jesus, God is a God of second chances. This is the beautiful news that we see played out in these first verses 
of Jonah 3. And there's not a day I tell you that goes by and I'm not thankful for this second chance. I have two kids. Man, God's gracious. Isn't he? Man. So maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering if there's a second chance for you and I'm telling you there is because God's not done with you because he's a God of second chances. That's who he is. Your past doesn't disqualify you. What God has started in your life, he will complete because that's who God is. I love what the Apostle Paul says. This is something I go back to all the time because so often I feel like I'm just stumbling my way through life, but this is what Paul writes to a church in, 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 in Philippi. He says this, and I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so what God has started in you, he will complete. He doesn't, he doesn't quit. He doesn't end his story, no matter how many stumbles you have, no matter how many decisions that you make that end badly or outside of what he would wish for you. He's going to complete in you what he started. That's the kind of God we have. And I love that. He is relentless in loving us and completing the work he started. He never gives up. He is steadfast in his commitment to you. And so no matter how far you've run from God or how many times you've said no to God, there's always the possibility of a restart with God because God is a God of second chances. And if God gave Jonah a second chance then he can give you a second chance. His mercy and his love are greater than our greatest disobedience. In his eyes, past disobedience does not disqualify you from present or future usefulness in his hands and for his glory. I love that about our God. And when we start to see that, it's going to change how we respond to God and what he's asking us to do because second chances, they, they inject hope into our lives that wherever we're at, our stories are never done. We're never finished, that God is for us and he's not against us. And so second chances have power to fuel different responses and that's Jonah's story. And so what does Jonah do with his second chance? How does Jonah take this second chance offered to him? What does he do? Well, look at verse three. It says, so Jonah arose... And he went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. And so Jonah's no becomes a yes with the second chance he's given. He gets up, he goes to Nineveh, and he heads to this huge city. He heads to this massive city, which is, which is astounding to me. It's like New York and London tied into one in the ancient times. And so Jonah goes to this big city, one, one man being faithful to God to this, big, to this big city. This unexpected restart for Jonah now launches him into a second unexpected restart. See, Jonah's second chance means his story is not over. But Jonah 3 does not end with Jonah's second chance. I've never seen this before until this, uh, this past week, but Jonah's second chance isn't the only second chance in Jonah 3 because Nineveh has a second chance too. Go back to Jonah 1. The whole start story started with God sending Jonah to Nineveh with a message. And so he comes, he rescues, and then he resends Jonah. And so the purpose that God had for Jonah's life did not die out when Jonah disobeyed God. It didn't stop. It didn't quit. And so God doesn't quit on Jonah, but God doesn't quit on his purposes that he has for Jonah's life. 
And so when God comes to Jonah a second time, he does it for a reason. And that's really interesting. I've never seen that before. The reason is that the people in Nineveh are far from God and they're doing evil things and God wants to do something about it and he's going to do something about it through Jonah. And so God rescues Jonah for a purpose. He gives Jonah a second chance for a reason and the reason is that Nineveh needs a second chance too. See, Jonah's second chance was for him but it was also for the people of Nineveh. And I'd never seen that before. And so here's what this tells us. Our second chances are not just for us. They're for others also. See, when we say yes to God's second chance, it actually opens up the opportunity for other people to say yes to God, to have a second chance, just like we received from God. And look at what happens when Jonah finally says yes to God. When he takes a second chance, look at the second chance, what happens with the second chance that Nineveh has. Verse 5, it says, And the people of Nineveh believed God. Sorry, I'm going to go back to verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, go on a day's journey. He called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And so here's Jonah goes into the middle. It's like going into the middle of Times Square and, and, and shouting a message. In 40 days, Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed. That's, that's, that's intense. That's crazy. Just imagine going into the middle of New York City and preaching that message. It doesn't make sense on our, our, from our side of things. It doesn't make sense from what we can see and understand. But Jonah goes and does it in obedience. And the result is belief. Revival hits the whole city of Nineveh, from the king on his throne to the most insignificant person in that city, every single person comes and believes in God. And that's an amazing revival. These people are people far from God. They're not connected to God or walking in his ways. They needed an opportunity to say yes to God, and they needed a second chance. And through Jonah, God gives them the opportunity for that second chance, and they all say yes to God and in the message that he speaks through Jonah. They turn from their evil ways and they put all their hope in God not doing what he said he would do. When, the, when they, that decree says, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. They're throwing all their hope on God, that God is who he says he is, that this God is merciful, that the same God that rescued Jonah would maybe give them a shot at being rescued too. It's what we call Repentance. It's turning from the way we're going to God and then beginning to walk in his ways. It's changing our minds, minds, rethinking how we think about life and God and what we do and what we don't do. And so Nineveh, from the king to the most insignificant person, repents. And so think about repentance as like pulling a U-turn when you're going the wrong way. 
you, you, you're going one way, you realize, oh man, I, I got to turn around, and you pull a U-turn and you start driving the other way. That's what repentance is, and that's what Nineveh does, is they repent and they, they mourn, they don't eat or drink anything. Even animals in the city are include, included in this morning that there's no food, no drink for any animal or any person. They put on sackcloth, they fast, they sit in ashes, which is all a sign of mourning. It's all a sign of repentance. Let me ask you this, when was the last time your sin grieved you to the point that it grieved them. See, this struck my heart and convicted me this week is that so often, so Nineveh gets the second chance, right? But I need a second chance from God to, to actually feel the weight of the things in my life that grieve him. And so my question is, if you follow Jesus, when was the last time your sin brought you to your knees in the same way Nineveh realized their sin and it brought them to their knees? When was the last time that you felt the weight of how you stepped outside of what God says is right, good, true, and rest? It's too convicting. Let's keep going on. Jonah's yes shakes the whole city. So Jonah says yes to God. The whole city is shaken. His yes paved the way for others to have the chance to say yes to God. And so here's what, here's what you need to know. Our yes to God matters. You never know how God is going to use you. You never know what God's going to do in your life. You never know how he's going to move unless you start getting into the habit of saying yes to him. And so our yeses matter. See, to follow Jesus is to know Jesus, yes, but it's also to obey him. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this, the, the famous author. He just had celebrated, or there was just a celebration, a remembrance of his passing 55 years ago. He says this, to have faith in Christ means, of course, trying to do all that he says. There would be no sense in saying you trusted a person if you would not take his advice. Thus, if you have really handed yourself over to him, it must follow that you are trying to obey him. But trying in a new way, a less worried way, not doing these things in order to be saved, but because he has begun to save you already. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but inevitably wanting to act in a certain way because the first faint gleam of heaven is already inside of you. And so we obey not to earn anything, but because God has moved in our lives and because he has become the ultimate thing, we want to follow him. We want to say yes to him. We obey not to do it out of duty, but because God actually lives inside of us and he's doing something in us that's creating a different response than we would normally have. See, that's how it works. God's moving from the inside out and he wants to create in us a heart that wants to say yes to him that wants to want to say yes to him, not just out of duty or obligation, but because he's worth more than anything else and we trust him in his ways and we know that what he wants for our lives is better than anything we could come up with ourselves. That's what Lewis is talking about. And so God's job is to send and to speak. Our job is to obey. That's how it works. And we miss out on so many opportunities because we don't obey. See, one of the things that it's a barrier to saying yes to God is we want the whole picture before we say yes to God. We want understanding all the unknowns removed before we say go. We want the road map and all the directions and all the unknowns removed before we actually go take the trip. But here's the thing. God's not always going to give us the full picture. It's not the way he works. He doesn't, with Jonah, he just says go, and then Jonah goes with the second chance he's given. Jonah doesn't know that this is going to happen. What God wants is our yes. And when we come to the end of ourselves, that's when God can begin to do things in us and through us. 
See, when we start to learn to say no to what I would like and no to, to the ways I want things to happen, and I start saying yes to God, that's when stuff happens. That, that's when God starts to really begin using me. That's when he starts to begin using us. And we see that when Jonah finally says yes to God, the people of Nineveh turn to God, and then look at how God responds. He gives them a second chance. Because that's who he is. Verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And so Nineveh pulls this U-turn, and God responds with mercy. He doesn't give Nineveh what they deserve. Instead, he shows them grace and love and mercy. He holds back from destroying the city because they turned from their evil ways to him. God doesn't give them what they deserve. That's mercy, and mercy is beautiful. A good way to think about mercy is that when I was a freshman down in Nebraska, or I went to college, I was driving down a street and I pulled an illegal U-turn. I know, it was bad, and a cop pulled me over. And so I'm like, oh, I've only been here for two weeks, can't really afford to pay this ticket, and so I'm kind of just like, well, I made a mistake, so I'm going to have to own up to this. And so the cop comes up and says, license and registration. And he's like, you know, you pulled an illegal U-turn as I'm passing the, the stuff to them. And he sees my license and registration from British Columbia. And he goes, BC, what are you doing in Nebraska? And I ask myself that same question a lot, because it's Nebraska. <laughs> um, and I said, well, I'm, I'm, I just moved down here. I'm playing hockey at University of Nebraska, Omaha. And he goes, no way. And I'm like, yeah, you know, from BC and got a scholarship. I'm down here playing. And he's like, Honestly, and so he starts asking all these questions, and then he goes, hey, you know what, I know it was illegal, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Here's, here's your license registration back, good luck this season, and he left, and he and didn't give me a ticket. That's mercy. I deserve that ticket. I did. But that cop, rightly or wrongly, decided that he wasn't going to give me what I deserved, which was a ticket, and he let me give a pass. That's what mercy is, and that's what God does with Nineveh. God always meets us with mercy when we turn to him because God is merciful. You want to understand the beauty of this God we follow? Just got to sit in passages like Exodus 34. Uh, this made me think of how, this is the description of who God is throughout the Old Testament. He's, uh, Moses wants God to show him his glory and, and, and God says, well, you can't see my glory in full so you'll hide in a little cleft of a rock and, and God passes before him and as he's passing, it says this, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And so God is gracious and merciful. It's who he is. God is patient and slow to anger. It's who he is. He's forgiving. It's who he is. He's a God of second chances for those who know him and for those who are far from him. And we see that play out in Jonah 3. This God is merciful and he's a God of second chances. And that's why I think Jonah's story is so good. And, and Jonah 3 really carries this message of hope for us no matter where we are at this morning. No matter how far you've run from God, no matter how many times you've said no to him, there is always a possibility for a restart with God. And if, that mean, if that's true, it means you're never too late and you're never too far. 
And so if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I've run too far, God won't come get me, he, he's given up on me. If, you, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I've said no way too many times to God, I've disobeyed him way too many times, Jonah 3 would look back at you and say, you're never too far and it's never too late with God. God's not given up on you. No matter how far you've run or messed up, a restart's always possible with God because God is a God of second chances. And that's good news because we all need a second chance. We all need God's mercy to be activated in our lives in some way or some form. All of us are in the same boat together. You need a second chance. I need a second chance. You need mercy. I need mercy. We just all do. And so here's the question as we, we land this plane this morning. How do second chance people like us activate God's mercy in our lives? How does that happen? Well, I think we do two things. We turn and we trust. See, in Jonah, we see a God who meets us with mercy when we turn to him and trust who he is and what he says is true and what he reveals about himself in the, in the Bible. And the same God in Jonah's story is the same God who's here with us, who's holding out mercy to us, who is boundless in giving that mercy when you turn to him and when you put your trust in him. But here's the thing, his mercy only becomes operative in our life when we turn to him and trust him. And so there are two types of people in this room this morning who need to turn and trust. The first person is those who have never turned to Jesus and trusted him. Those that, who haven't come to that place where they have said yes to Jesus for the very first time. You've been running, you've been looking in all sorts of places to find satisfaction. You were, this was where I was 10 years ago. This person was, I've been looking everywhere to find what, what I could only find in Jesus. And so the first person who needs to turn and to trust this morning is a person who's never done that. See, what God has done in Jesus is for all people, no matter their past, their story, their history, their mistakes, their mess-ups, how far they are. When Jesus died on the cross, when he was buried, and then he, the ultimate second chance of the resurrection happened, it made a way for anyone who looked at that and said, that counts for me and I believe in it. It, it gave a way for anyone that says that to have a second chance with God and a second chance is something better for their life. Our past is not counted against us anymore. The former sins of our lives no longer have this condemning voice over us when we trust in Jesus. Now the voice that speaks over you when you turn to Jesus and trust him is a voice of unconditional love and victory that says, you know what, no matter what happens in this world, you are insanely, mind-blowingly loved by God the Father and you have a victory that will hold you. You're walking in victory. It is finished, Jesus says. Those, that voice of love and victory gets to speak over your life for the rest of your days, no matter how many times you stumble, no matter how many times you need to get picked back up. When you turn to trust in Jesus, the voice of love and victory is spoken over you, and your past is not counted against you anymore. And that's a beautiful offer of mercy that is held out to every single person this morning. And the first step to activate it in your life is to turn to Jesus and trust in him. So today might be the very first day for you to take that second chance Jesus is offering you, to turn to him, to trust him, and to say yes to him for the first time. And when you do that, his answer will be mercy. And you will enter into the most awesome and costly and beautiful adventure there is on earth. So that's the first person. The second person is the person who is in relationship with Jesus but has been saying no to him. So let me ask you, what is the second chance that God is offering you this morning? In what area of your life, a relationship, your finances, your sexuality, what area of your life, your work, your family, friendship circle, 
School. Where is God offering you a second chance today? Where have you been saying no to God when you need to say yes? What step do you need to take? What do you need to leave behind? Where do you need to go? What is, who is God asking you to go to? What forgiveness do you need to ask for? What forgiveness do you need to give? Is there a relationship you need to mend? What struggle or experience or mistake keeps coming up in your life and you keep stumbling over? Maybe that's where God wants to give you a second chance. Now is the time to turn to Jesus again and receive that second chance. Not to take advantage of his mercy, but because you long to have that second chance to do it differently for his name and for his glory. And then remember, follower of Jesus, your second chance is not just for you, it's for others in your life, that God rescued you for a purpose. And that your story and your experiences uniquely position you to touch lives that no one else in this room can touch. And so you need to be asking yourself, what second chance has God given me? And how might that be an opportunity for other people in my life to have a second chance as well that they need? Be asking those questions. Be thinking about that because your second chance, your second chance could be the second chance. You might be the vehicle, excuse me, for, for someone else's second chance. So you never know how God's going to use you when you say yes to him. You never know what he's going to do when you say yes to him. And that's a beautiful thing because no matter where you are today, we have a God of second chances. And a restart is always possible with him and he will never give up on you. And how great is that, that we can sit in that and rest in that together this morning. So I'm done. Let's pray. Hey God, I love you so much. And I am so thankful that you, you are a God of second chances, that you are a God of love and mercy. And that you want, you want good things for our lives and that in the end, your response to our nose, to our running, is not to run away from us, but is actually to pursue us so that we could have something better. And I thank you that you did that ultimately in Jesus, that when we were lost, and we were in desperate need. God, your response was to say yes to us and to send your son so that anyone who believes in him would not perish but would have the opportunity for eternal life through what he would do on a cross and on a resurrection on a day in history. And I thank you that, that what Jesus did still counts today and is still operative today when we turn to you, God, and we trust you. And so I pray for us as a church from the person who's here for the first time, for the person who's been here for decades, that wherever we at, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, that we would all collectively turn to you this morning, God, and that we would trust you for a second chance that we desperately need, maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time. Thank you, God, that you are a God of second chances, and thank you that we get to live in the realities of that second chance. We praise you. We honor you, we glorify you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.